everyone, it's James Lindsay. You're listening to New Discourse's Bullets, where I give you a short bullet point summary of one topic from woke Marxism that you need to understand so that we can fight it and stop it. And today, I'm going to answer a question for you. When should I speak up? When should I start taking action? And the answer is you already should be. The answer is yesterday, or actually three or four years ago. The answer is a long time ago. So I'm going to go backwards in time for you for a minute. I'm going to go back to my experience in the summer of 2020. So let me set the stage for you. Everything was already woke crazy. We're under the the COVID stuff, the pandemic policies that we now recognize as mostly being almost entirely being uh, catastrophic, definitely control mechanisms. And um, people are calling me. We have the riots taking place. We have the craziness of the CRT uh, anti-racist cultural revolution. And by the way, that's what's happening. We've covered that here before. We're going to cover that more in the future. We're in the middle of the American cultural revolution, which in 2020 took on the anti-racist dimension, the CRT dimension, um, in full. So we were calling it the anti-racist cultural revolution even back then. And people would call me or talk to me, say, James, what do I do? And I'm like, you have to speak up. And they would say, I might lose my job. I'm scared for my kids. I don't want to deal with it. They're going to call me names, whatever it was. Mostly, I'm afraid I'll lose my job. And I remember at the time telling them, no, 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 you don't understand. It does not get easier. This, I said that this will not blow over. It does not get easier as time goes on. Well, here we are three years later. Some of those people have had the courage to reach out to me and tell me, yes, indeed, I should have spoken up earlier. Um, but here we are a few years later. And the fact of the matter is that what I said then is still true. The longer you wait to resist, the harder it gets. So you were afraid you might lose your job. You were afraid you might get canceled. And as this progresses, what you're going to stand up now, you end up getting labeled a domestic terrorist by the uh, Department of Justice or something. Maybe if you're a parent or mom, that happened for showing up to school board meetings and, and exercising your First Amendment rights. You get censored off of social media pretty rampantly, although that's slightly not as bad as it was uh, a few months ago, although it's still happening. We've seen behind the curtain a little bit. The thing is, is the way that a cultural revolution unfolds is that it gets worse the longer you wait. The longer you wait to resist, the harder it gets. So the things you're afraid of now in a year are going to look like no big deal unless we've actually won because enough people stood up in the meantime. That's very important to understand. What happened in China was that this unrolled over years. I mean, the CCP started infiltrating China as early as at least 1923. They didn't actually take power till 1949, and they didn't consolidate their power until 1957. That was at least eight years after they actually had their hands on the levers of power before it was actually fully consolidated. Now, in the meantime, after they actually took power, so you can compare the 40s when they're in their rise to the 50s after they'd seized power, you truly seized power. You think we they've seized power now because you might lose your job or you might get censored on social media or you might get canceled with your social group or your friends group or whatever. No, you don't go to prison yet, but you could go to prison. You don't get locked out of the system of society like we have in China now with a social credit system. Those things don't actually happen. They don't have that power yet. They haven't seized power, but everything shifted starting in the 1950s when China seized power and people started going to thought reform prisons. Schools got retooled into revolutionary high schools and revolutionary universities to train intellectuals and uh, children into the CCP 
Chinese communist way of thinking under Mao Zedong's direction. We're not there yet. Yes, our universities are captured, but they're optional. Yes, you can get canceled or fired, but no, you don't go to prison and get fed this stuff for three years. There's no labor camp. You don't get sent to a labor camp yet, which is what happens after they really get power. So the risks you're facing now pale in comparison to the risks you're facing in the future if this continues to roll. I don't know that there will be labor camps. I don't see how there won't be, but I don't know that there will be. I don't know that there'll be prison. I don't know what the mechanisms will be. I've talked about digital gulags in in a previous episode of the podcast. I think that there will be a social credit system and a lot of locking people out. I've said in the past that the tyranny of the future will be opt-in, which means they'll just make life very inconvenient for you, very difficult for you, but you're the one doing it to yourself. You're welcome to choose the new payment system if you want, but if you don't, you can't pay for anything, so you have a very difficult life. All you got to do is download the app and give them your digital ID and scan your eyes or whatever it is with your phone, and then you can go pay with your handprint or your forehead or your face or whatever. And once you once you get into the system, it's easy. You can buy everything. You might even get discounts for using it. Life gets very easy when you opt into the system. It's very hard if you opt out. I suspect it'll be more of that kind of soft uh, coercion, if you will. But the fact of the matter is the longer you wait, the harder it gets. It does not get easier. And I had the distinct pleasure of talking today with two uh, Chinese immigrants who lived through the Chinese Cultural Revolution and are, are trying to awaken America to the issue. And I hope you'll check out their work. One is one is uh, Lily Tong Williams, and another is Xi Van Fleet. That's X-I is how you spell Xi. Lily is with one L, L-I-L-Y. Easy to find these ladies. They're doing excellent work. You should check them out. But she said something very uh very poignant during our, our, our discussion. And she says that she tells people all the time that you actually have two choices right now. You can either listen and start to speak up, or you can live through it and hope you can speak up. Those are your only two choices. What's happening is a cultural revolution. Therefore, you can either listen to people who are telling you that now is the time to get involved. Now is the time to start educating people. Now is the time to start sharing ideas. Now is the time to resist. Now is the time to say you won't go along with it, or you can live through it, and maybe if you're lucky, you can do something. You're not really going to have very many places to run, I don't think. So it's a very important thing to pay attention to, coming from people who have lived through a cultural revolution and its results, and were fortunate enough to escape to America. And now it's, as she also said, their time to turn around and give back to the country that saved them and their freedom, because their voices are going to be instrumental in saving this country. And I believe that that's true. So I I encourage you to take them seriously on that uh, because the right time to start speaking up is now, if you're not already. The right thing to do is the most you can. Uh, As Lily said in our discussion, that we are technically still in the educating phase. So people want to know what to do. There are lots of things that are going to involve lawsuits or can involve lawsuits now, depending on if you've been wronged. There are lots of things that may involve legislation. There are lots of things that are going to involve taking back, especially local institutions, getting on county boards, county commissions, getting elected, getting appointed, filling out prosecutor roles, depending on if you're an attorney, lots of different things, running for office, helping political campaigns, all of the things that we think are going to be the solution. But there's also a lot of stuff that you need to be doing 
much more simply and much more close to home, which is educating yourself and educating others on this so that the base of people who understand the problem, recognize what it means, and are willing to stand up increases and increases rapidly. The more people who stand up, the easier it gets for everybody to stand up. The fewer people who stand up, the harder it gets for everybody to stand up. The more people who are aware of the problem, the more people who are going to weigh out the risks and decide it's worth standing up. So even if you don't quite have the courage to stand up, there should be nothing at all stopping you from getting properly educated on the issue and then telling people about it to help them get educated on the issue. You can come to talks that people do. You can still do that. You won't go to a standing room only prison under Tiananmen Square for doing that. You can still do that. You can encourage other people to come with you or tell them about those talks if people are going around doing talks. You can recommend books and resources. I could recommend my books, but I'd rather recommend yet again on this topic of cultural revolution that you read Robert Lifton's Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism so you can see the parallels. Another good book is The World Turned Upside Down. You should check out what happened. Go look into the cultural revolution. Look it up and read about it. We are sorely undereducated about this in the United States. We don't know what Mao did. We don't know how he did it. We don't know what the Great Reset or Leap Forward, Great Leap Forward is what he called it, sorry I got him mixed up, was all about. We can look back and find out that it killed tens of millions of Chinese, maybe 55 million Chinese, maybe more. They don't keep good records of how evil they are in communist regimes. So if nothing else, you can do that. It's a place to start. There are other things you can do, standing up for your family, making sure you have a connection to your family, getting to know your kids again really well, getting to know your kids' friends, spending intentional time with your children and their friends, getting to helping them understand the world and the values, helping them understand communism, pushing for uh, those things in the legislative and legal and whatever is all well and good, but nourishing what's at home is a big way to stand up. They have to break the family. They're doing a great job of damaging families. That's something that you can do. So the time to stand up is way past already. The big point is you have a choice to start standing up now or to live through it. And then best of luck. And you must remember every day you wait to not stand up now, every single day you wait, it gets worse and it gets harder. Now let me give you one very important reminder before you go stand up like a hee-haw, which is that a principle that communist activism relies upon is that your real action, what you actually intend to accomplish, your real action is your target's reaction. So they want us to overreact. So when you start to educate yourself and stand up, you should also learn what kind of things would be a pitfall. Certainly you're not going to use violence. That would be strategically unwise, morally indefensible. You're not going, you're in no position to do so anyway. So you're not going to become violent. You're not going to become wild and crazy. You can't do any of those things. You have to be advocating for sane and rational solutions. You have to be advocating for the legal system that we wish to preserve, not trying to kind of swing for the fences and believe that we can throw out our legal system, correct the problem and get our legal system back on the other side of it after we bring in some kind of a strong man or something to solve the problem. These are classic mistakes that people have made throughout history to try to resist a communist provocation. What we have to be advocating for is strong adherence to our constitutional system of law and to apply that. As far as, by the way, the educating thing goes in the law, people are so worried. They're like, educating people doesn't do anything. That's not true. It doesn't do anything immediately. 
but it ripples out. And eventually those ripples reach people like judges. And those judges stop making bad, uninformed and mystified decisions and start making clear-eyed, discerning decisions, understanding that our entire system is under threat by things that sound like they might be good or empathetic or compassionate or caring or harm-reducing or whatever, and they can adjudicate on these things more clearly. How? By them getting educated. How do they get educated? Well, the weight of the people, educating people, the message gets louder and louder until they catch sight of it and start paying attention to it and start taking it seriously. As more minds and more intelligence gets brought to the table, the arguments become clearer. The people who uh, see through it become more and more and more, and thus you end up with more and more people who are actually experts in various things who see through it. And we see things like that occurring. We see the transgender lobby, the pharmaceutical or whatever connections, the medical industry connections, it has crumbling under its weight of corruption and exposure now. These things will always happen. So what does that mean our job is? Well, partly we are in the educating people phase. We have to resist. We have to say no when they try to provoke us into something. We don't take the bait, but we also don't, we don't do either of the things that they want. We don't go along with it and we don't overreact. Do you understand? Those are the two traps. We don't go along with it and we don't overreact. But at the same time, what we have to do is we have to hold out is what we have to do. We have to hold out until these pieces of evidence, till these, these educational campaigns succeed and they get big enough and they get heavy enough so that the monster starts to collapse under its own weight. And that's actually how we win is by repeatedly holding out until the monster collapses under its own weight. And that's education. That's having patience. That's keeping your hand steady. That's helping other people understand. That's making the case to people in positions of influence like legislators, lawyers, judges, and so on. That means writing letters. It means writing blogs. It means making videos. It means doing interviews. It means showing up to talks or giving talks. It means sharing information that you found that's useful to understand this. It means getting together in person to discuss, bringing children around or adolescents to, around to understand and get to know them. All of these things are ways that you can stand up besides just, you know, telling your corporation that you're not going to participate in DEI training and see where the chips fall or refusing to participate in some kind of a campaign to make you behave a certain way to be able to do your everyday commerce or whatever else. But you need to look around the world that you're finding yourself in and find places where you can resist without overreacting. And you have to take every opportunity. And the key thing you need to do is to educate and spread those ideas.